Hello again. Welcome back to Neo Plus One, the podcast. Uh, for season two, we've made it to season two. So I hope you've enjoyed your summer, winter, whatever time it is, your time of year it is, where you are. I've been busy the past few months uh, doing lots of improv related things. Uh, shout out to friends at the Phoenix Improv Festival. Uh, I was at the festival earlier this year. Such a great festival. And also, uh, Improv Utopia, of course, were a place where I often leave my heart. One of the coolest things in improv, I think, out there. And of course, there's many cool things in improv, but that's one thing that I particularly have a fondness of and get to it as much as I can. But anyway, enough about that. So in this season of the podcast, I've got lots of exciting uh, people that I've spoken to over the past, gosh, I don't know how long it's been since I last sent one out. So each week, starting from this week, I will have a new episode up, uh, talking to some of the improvisers that have inspired, I find inspiring, that I, I like what they're doing, and that I've met in my travels. So all these interviews are recorded live face-to-face, and so hopefully you enjoy it. So for this week, um, I managed to pin down Colleen Doyle and Jason's, Jason? Jason Schatz, uh, best known as Dummy. Uh, in iOS, formerly Chicago. And of course, Colleen is the co-artistic director of iOS. Uh, so I had a chance to catch up and chat with them at Improv Utopia in Cambria, California. And uh, we had quite an extensive chat. Unfortunately, some of the recording, that we, <laughs> we talked so much that we ran out of batteries on the recorder. Our amateur mistake, a rookie mistake. But however, uh, we still have plenty of footage. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. You've got an L.A. Is that a Lakers hat? Mm. Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah. We live right across the street, basically, mm-hmm. from Dodger Stadium. The only baseball game, Major League Baseball game I've been to was the Tigers and the Trident. It was one of the most boring games. Mm. And they said it was randomly a boring game. Yeah. <laughs> baseball. Anyway, hello. Hello. I'm here with... Uh, well, let you guys introduce mm-hmm. yourselves. Oh, sure. Uh, Colleen Doyle. And Jason Schatz. And we are in the wonderful Improv Utopia West. Mm-hmm. Well, what West? Sorry. Improv Utopia... It is West. Yes, it is West. Uh, in Cambria, California. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been teaching here. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. How's your camp experience? Great. It's been wonderful. Uh, you mean as far as teaching is concerned? Just the whole experience. Mm, yeah, the whole experience has been great. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's good for us to be able to get out of town for a few days. We, we've been doing a lot of traveling this year, and I feel like our traveling this year has been bulky. It's been like uh, we did one 25-day trip in Europe and one... 12 day trip in Copenhagen mm-hmm. and it's nice to do a, a nice quick like three day four day trip it's kind of nice three hour drive from home yeah, yeah. it's yeah. really great I love camp yeah please don't end camp and now it's going to be in Ireland <laughs> yeah I mean are you so jazzed that, I, I'm blown away at the responses we've gotten already yeah. yeah you know as we don't really do camp in Europe and particularly Ireland because you know, I can't tell you what the weather's going to be like for camp next May. I'm sure. I'm sure. Before. Sure. Um, but I remember the first time I came to camp, I knew Nick, but Nick was running it, so he was going to be busy. And I knew Will Luera, who was teaching. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anyone else. So major social anxiety. Oh, sure. I've flown so far. Sure, sure, sure. This is mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. It was the first year of East. Um, and the whole idea of, like, you get the email that says, no guns. <laughs> Do we have to say things like that? Sure. Um, and the, <laughs> interesting that the whole no alcohol thing at camp was, I was like, well, that's all because it's camp for adults and we're supposed to be mature and responsible. But, so the first day was tough for me, but then mm-hmm. after that, I kind of got absorbed into that camp yeah. culture and now I love it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Convert, convert. yeah. It's kind of nice like to be, you know, 
to be removed. Like mm. it's just nice to be it to be forced on you. I said yesterday how great it is just to have your meals at a specific time and that's it. Yeah. Like of course you could drive yeah. into town if you want, but it's like oh yeah, this is kind of, it's kind of yeah. nice to have things kind of decided for you Origin, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's a nice treat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, a little bit of background: you guys perform as dummy, mm-hmm. and this is our first time actually meeting. I know we've chatted online and that, mm-hmm. um, but the there's an interesting thing with improv because in Europe, so we get you guys visiting, we get people who come over from the states, but we don't. I know we've got Boom Chicago, and we do have improv theaters now that are popping up, but we don't have the powerhouses like I O or UCB and that. So we kind of have hybrid styles of improv. That sure, and you, which you're probably seeing. So how has been your experience working with improvisers in Europe versus? what you see in the US uh, you know it's funny the last time we were in um, uh, London and we were teaching and the more conversations we were having with people uh, particularly in London I think was it the nursery the nursery and uh, and it was so funny to me because more than a, more than a couple times we've been talking with people about well, we're this theater, and that theater is this theater, and they focus on that, and they this theater is that theater, like they this, focus like on this. The, like, this particular theater aligns more with an I.O. way of thinking, and this particular theater aligns more with a UCB and way of thinking. it basically sounded like everything they were saying, I wasted all out loud, was like, this is a conversation we have in Chicago mm-hmm. or Los Angeles. Yeah. So it's it's almost starting to sound like, you you guys are basically doing everything that we're doing. Yeah. It's, it sounds like the same. Uh, smaller markets, it's, uh, it's just fun to see them kind of getting their footing uh going to warsaw was interesting to see that mm-hmm. they they're doing fantastic yeah uh it's also exploding and it's everywhere so i would say in terms of the difference between when we go overseas um i think i think there's more similarities than there are differences um can you speak on the differences um it's kind of nice uh i one we love traveling and and We've had such wonderful experiences wherever we've been. Um, I think the nice thing about um, it, there not being an IO or a UCB is that people are pulling from different traditions. So even when you go to, say, London and, and people say this training center or this theater feels a bit more like IO, the reality is they've had people from Second City, IO, UCB, etc. come. And so you're getting probably a much more even handed approach and people are pulling the things that they enjoy mm-hmm. so you're probably just getting a, um a broader experience and people are really like uh, i think that jason and i try to advocate like take what you like from um different teachers and different training centers and use that and leave the rest and i think mm-hmm. that maybe if there's an upside to uh these theaters starting a bit um a bit after the states is is that like they're mm-hmm. truly taking what they enjoy about the most about always of trying to do this stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i mean and actually london is is kind of a little bit more involved that you know uh, the c3 something guys bring over ucb teachers a lot and mm-hmm. there is an alignment with that but do you find that in europe you see uh, i don't know how to word this without sound ridiculous hopefully you <laughs> do you see a big a kind of more theatrical approach to improv is that something i'd say a thousand percent <laughs> i mean i'm thinking now about um, the polish improvisers that we know um that we were so impressed with when we met them in chicago um, and Italy when we were in Rome, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there's much more a tradition of bringing theatricality to it and a, and a real acting chops to it. Um, then I think there's I think in the states there's a tendency on the whole for improv to really be considered its own island, mm-hmm. and um, 
and I mean, I have a clear bias, but um, some people do approach it as improv is its own thing, and you don't have to necessarily um, be an actor to be an improviser. I just feel differently than that, but I think that's yeah. true of the States a bit. I think we see a lot more, um, not a lot more, but I, I think there's probably more of a narrative take on improv in a lot of those places, but I'm I'm a believer that narrative improv is easier for an a paying audience to, to digest anyway. So it's, mm-hmm. and I think when, when Colleen and I come over, it's more of a, well, let's not worry about that. Let's just like be human beings having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think certain places like Warsaw, I think didn't have that narrative thing. They were just trying to figure out what the hell they were. And I think they've taken a big scoop of what they've seen at IO in terms of just a very plain, TJ and Dave were just having a conversation on stage. It's not going to be about telling a, a narrative story. It's Very just, relational. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's lovely. I I you know it, the grass is always greener. Yeah. For sure. So when we travel, you know, I'm probably also I'm I'm just smitten with the improvisers that we meet because also when you travel, people are signing up for workshops because or or classes or intensives because they are so excited and into what whatever information you're bringing um which is a different it's a it's inherently going to be a different experience than teaching at your home theater where people live in that city and they mm-hmm. kind of as a lark or because their manager said to take an improv class some you know so it's always going to draw out people who are very passionate about improv too yeah. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and so Domi, i um, this is going to sound a little bit uh, uh, barf barf me saying it but I've, so how I first came across you guys as Domi was I think there's that I think the, the TJ and Dave effect when the improvised particularly internationally who aren't necessarily going to be in Chicago that often yeah. see TJ and Dave it's like a lot of people are like, oh my god yeah. that's what I want to do sure and uh, Katie Shoot in the UK um, I think her, her and Rachel I can't remember Rachel's surname uh, they I think they might be the first duo in, in the UK and this has the duos have exploded I was talking to somebody about TJ Nave in a group at a festival, and I was saying, "Oh, you got to see." John. And then one of the UK improvisers said, "Oh no, no, it's not TJ Nave. It's all about Domi now." <laughs> sure. So, tell us a little bit about the history sure. of Domi and why people uh-huh. are saying that. Well, God, I don't know why people are saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the history of Domi is, um, I think, it was nine and a half, probably close. I don't know. Let's say nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was summer in uh, at Iowa, Chicago, and TJ and Dave had taken the summer off, and Sharna Halpern got it in her head that she was going to replace that show for the summer with a series of two-person shows that were real couples. Um, and I think sh- uh, she asked us, we had been dating for about a year at that point, and she asked if, us, if we would be interested in performing together, which we never had done. Um so we said, sure. And we did uh, that one particular show. And I think she and I, you know, whether the show was good or not, I think she and I got off stage afterwards and kind of looked at each other like, that was fun. Mm-hmm. I, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, which is kind of funny, too, because I feel like a series of shows like that can kind of make or break a couple. Like yeah. You can kind of see like a couple that has a terrible show kind of yeah. feels like it says something about them as a couple. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we, uh, we really liked our show, so um, we did a quick run of shows at I.O. after that. Uh, I think for two months we did a series of 8 o'clock at Thursday night shows in the Del Close Theater, and nobody came to see it. Mm-hmm. And then we got a run of shows at another theater called CIC in Chicago, which was a uh, bring your own booze bar or theater, <laughs> and 
we played there every Sunday night for probably a year and a half. I think that's how we really kind of figured out what the show was. Mm. Which was fun for us because it wasn't doing the show at I.O. It was doing a show for, like, some improvisers and some people just off the street. Mm. And some of them were really drunk. And it kind of, like, forced us to kind of figure out what the hell we were doing. Um, uh, And after that year and a half, we were kind of asked to come come to I.O. and do a run. And I think that's that's when it really clicked. I think, yeah. and we did the how long did we do that show then? I that run was I I can't remember. We did a run that was in the DCT. That was I'm probably say like a, three years. Yeah, and then maybe and then we got moved down state downstairs to the D, to the um, cabaret for probably another year and a half. Yeah, um, and then uh, but but that's kind of the how it sprang up. So it did. It was a thing. I think for Colleen and I when we started doing the show, kind of falling into a comfortable sort of vibe on stage. And she and I are both, you know, we're big, huge fans of uh, Foursquare and TJ and Dave and Mm -hmm. uh, the more grounded type of stuff at I.O. So I don't think we really ever really set out and said, like, we're going to do a TJ and Dave style show. It just kind of happened that way. I think we were just so influenced by them. um, And we, we... admired them so much mm-hmm. and were so just I mean that's top of the mountain so I'm sure we just were like wow that's a really great show and we never to be honest with you probably the first few years we never even have a conversation about what the show was going to be or what it should mm-hmm. look like or sound like there's no structure to our show um, aside from the fact that we will follow the first two characters that we meet we'll see what happens to them in some right. iteration but um mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think sometimes, uh, you know, TJ and Dave are not afraid of scaring the shit out of an audience. They're not afraid yeah. of silence. They're not afraid of those moments. Um, and I, I would like to think that we kind of follow in that vein to some extent. Um, yeah, we will do, like, mix it up and definitely there there will be a darker show that pops up periodically for the two of us. And I think she and I kind of go like, yeah, it's good. Let's do more of that. Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to Josh Nichols about this earlier, um, it, you know, and that was one of the things about TJ and Dave is how grounded in reality is, and that kind of blows a lot of, particularly for people new to improv and sure. that, because that's not maybe what they're used to. Sure. Um, but it almost feels like that, you know, it, it reaches the point where making people laugh is kind of the easy thing. I'm using air quotes here, not to sound like an, 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 mm-hmm. an, an obnoxious man, um, yeah. Yeah. but that's kind of the easy part. It's when sure. you walk out of a show that has those dark elements or that has something to make the audience talk about yeah. an interesting character sure because the conversation continues beyond god that was very funny where are we going to go for drinks now you know the conversation sure. continues one well, of my favorite uh, shows that we ever did was we were doing we were playing at CIC and we were um uh we were doing a show that was basically it was it just worked itself out that was basically split into two acts I think it was like a 45 minute long show and the first act of it was basically uh, we were playing coworkers that worked at a post office, and I was an older coworker, kind of talking to her about her love life and kind of saying to her that her her relationship wasn't a positive one, and the guy that she was with is, was not right for her, and you know he abuses her, and, and you know she could do better for herself. Um, anyway, I'm sorry to back it up for a second. When the show started. It was kind of a smallish house, but there was two women that were sitting in the front row. And I remember seeing them when the show started. They had actually, they looked like they were two sisters, probably middle-aged. And they had brought, because it was BYOB, they brought their own, I think they had a box of wine. 
and they had two real wine glasses. Now, they didn't get wasted or anything, but they were sitting there having a drink of wine, which just looked odd to see these two sisters sitting there like, I don't know what brought them there. They didn't seem like improvisers. They just seemed random people sitting there. So anyway, that's the first act of the show. And the second act of the show just wound up being that we saw her with the boyfriend. And instead of playing it in a cartoonish sort of like, you know, soap opera-ish sort of way where I was just mean to her, the second act was basically I played her boyfriend and uh, he ended up being this very, very, very nice guy that occasionally said something terrible to her. And you can kind of feel the crowd not laughing, but almost getting uncomfortable in the sense of like, oh, I get this. Like, this is how this goes. And I think for her and I, the most satisfying thing was letting that show kind of sit for 45 minutes. And in the last few minutes of the show, we're in this kind of dark, like quiet portion of it with this couple. I had just said something mean and then followed up by saying something nice. And then one sister turned to the other one and said out loud to her sister, just loud enough that the whole theater could hear her. She turned to her sister and said, "Uh, she's never going to leave him. And the whole crowd kind of laughed. There's this great little wave of laughter. And then we ended up finishing out that show. And I think for her and I walking away from that one, that one was a special show because... She forgot she was watching an improv show. (laughs) She she had turned to her sister. They were two glasses of wine in. And you could just tell she had turned to her sister and said that out loud as if they were watching us on the couch. Or they were in a movie theater or watching a play. Or they just got swept up in it. It was so fun to say, gosh, it's so fun that we have that ability when we do these shows. To, like, uh, not necessarily get a crowd to, like, uh, hunch over and, and laughter at certain things. But I remember the first time seeing a TJ and Dave show and... There was a woman sitting next to me, and she was crying. You know, and I, it was blew my mind. I was like, "Oh my god, we can make people cry! Yeah, we can make people really get affected by what's happening on stage. Uh, that there can be some sort of thing happening that affects people on a personal level that takes them someplace, and they get emotional, and they get freaked out, and they forget that they're in a theater. Like that's so fun that we can do that. And I know people that do straight theater probably work on that, work that muscle for a long time, and it's. It's so fun for us to be like, and now next week we get to do another show. Make more people cry. Yeah, right? I think part of that is also a function of that we've been doing it longer. Like, the magic trick sometimes is just you've failed more than other people. And you, the older I get and the more I do this, the less, the less, um, uh, let me say, I always want people to laugh at me. Like, that is my drug of choice. But... You also, then, the longer you do this, the more you're interested in other reactions, too, and the more open you are to that, and the more patient you become. So when improvisers sometimes look at TJ and Dave, or, or another type of grounded, more patient show, the reality is you stick with it long enough, and your taste will change, and you will become more patient, and you will become... So I think there's a... You metamorphosize over time anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not to take anything away from the special skill set that, that these these actors and improvisers have, but I think over time... That naturally starts to happen anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. We've done a couple of shows where I and I have to say where for me personally it's more satisfying. The lights are pulled on the show, and instead of a huge laugh or a huge wave of laughter, to me one of the most fun things is hearing a crowd of people like audibly moan. Yeah. 
like that, that oh, light no. scarf, and the whole eyes goes like, oh. Jason like, killed me one time, and yeah. the, as the lights were slowly being pulled down, he was strangling me to death. And the lights are going down, and you just hear people like, oh. and they're yeah. freaking out, like, yeah. oh my god, he's gonna kill her. And they just, yeah. and the show just ended, and it was such a great, like, audible, like, oh, like, yeah. like you don't, you know. And then it was also the thing of like, oh my god, and and I love that improv can kind of end without that sort of resolution, like you don't mm-hmm. you don't get to see. That what actually happens? Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of lingers for people, mm-hmm. and I love that moan because it's like, oh god! And then we've had people come up to us after the show and be like, "So what happened? Did he stay with her? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm, I was, I was right there with you. I don't know what happened." That's the compliment. The compliment is like when it. I think that's the biggest compliment you can get is that mm-hmm. I thought about your show after. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That is, that's really nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with silly. I love. I also let me just say. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love silly. I love silly. I love fast. I love bits. But I like I like both both of them so much. Mm. That's what I enjoy. Being able to switch it up. I guess uh, you know when you hear of uh, regular people making bumping into a soap opera star and hitting them because of the way they treat them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Next for sure. Them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to ask you guys, um, uh, and I'm going to go for the juggler with this. So mm-hmm. you can be your it. So, being a couple in real life and mm-hmm. playing on stage in a sure. duo, it's going to be a little bit different dynamic than playing in an ensemble. So, mm-hmm. And being talking to you, are both lovely people. Um, I'm not really proud of either of you home. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, no, no relationships are perfect because that's yeah, what relationships correct. are. Mm-hmm. How do you juggle personal life versus performing as regularly as you do mm-hmm. as Dolly? Mm-hmm. Send answers to neilkern at gmail. Um, because then forward them to me, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say I, I'm not telling tales out of school. I don't think um, because the kind of uh, we have arguments about other things. I'd say I'd say if you took all the arguments Jason and I have ever had in ten years of being together, the a number one thing we've ever fought about is the show, mm-hmm. approaches mm-hmm. to the show, how we feel about the show, what's going on. So I don't think he and I have a great. Uh, in, and I don't want to talk for Jason, but I'll say I don't think that we have a great. Um, answer to how we balance it out you just have to kind of like figure out how you're going to deal with it in the moment because we've never had like a a coach or director or an outside eye so it inherently becomes the thing that we tell students to never do which is give each other notes Mm. and it inherently becomes that and then it's heightened because we live together and we're in a relationship together Mm -hmm. so I think you just have it's to also wonderful to hear Stephanie Weir and Bob Dassey, who we both admire greatly and think the world of, do another podcast and basically <laughs> say the same thing. Yeah, kind of like, oh, good, we're not alone. Yeah, we're not the only couple that gets in huge fights about improv shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I think the balance is that on the positive side, uh, I think the thing that really worked well for us is that we were so comfortable with each other on stage that we didn't have to go through that period of like, Oh, this is awkward. Uh, that one of the early notes we had to give each other after a show was like, okay, that was too easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was just 45 minutes of you and I just talking on stage. Mm-hmm. Like we're so comfortable with each other. That can't be a show. Like nobody's going to pay to watch us just sit and talk about like whatever the <laughs> fuck TV show. Buying a couch. Yeah. Uh, so a, we have to find a way to turn it up and B, I think the thing that worked for us also was, and this is also the thing that worked against us, was the reality of, I think, for most improv ensembles, whether it be two people or five people, when the show's over, there is a level of healthy politeness <laughs> to say, it was fun, I liked it, yeah. And then you might go home 
to a significant other and bitch about the show a little bit. <laughs> For her and I, it's like, the show's over, and let's just be honest about it. You know, like, yeah. and I think that helped us pretty early on to kind of just get on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, what the hell was that? You know, what what's going on? Uh, um, what did you think that was? Uh, and... And we didn't have that buffer of like politeness, where it's just like, come on, let's just fucking, what is this? Like, if we're gonna, if we're, if we're really going to make this show a priority for each other and say that this is an important thing we want to do, then we have to make it good. And if we're gonna make it good, we have to talk about it. And if there was stuff that popped up that made it hard, we have to talk about it. Uh, if there's something that happened in the show that I did or she did that made the show harder, it has to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to... To me, it's almost like... It would almost be like a bad marriage if there were problems in the show and we never talked about them. Like, we have to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Like, that that happened, and it happened the last show, and it happened the previous show. This is a problem. We have to address it. We have to figure out a way to work through it. Um, but we've been doing this for nine years and still getting, still getting fights. Oh, yeah, big ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Um... It's also the thing that I've noticed is that when we go through a period of shows where we're not necessarily happy with them, we get in, we get in one fight, we get in another fight, <laughs> we get in a big fight. The next show's usually pretty good. <laughs> so what are you saying to all the couples who want to perform together is have a fight in your show? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say don't be a couple that does improv shows. <laughs> Or be a couple that does improv shows with an outside eye. Yeah. I would recommend don't do what we do. Yeah. Um, so you mean outside eye? You mean get a coach? Get a coach. Yeah, or, or just someone who, because I don't think like duos, I think coach, I, I, just my opinion is that duos don't necessarily need rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I think duos need someone to come watch your shows and give you notes. Mm-hmm. Because you learn a lot, you learn a lot when you, when you play in a duo, there's no one to save your butt. Mm-hmm. You're learning on your feet as you go. And I think, do shows, um, you know, this was easier in Chicago where there was, like, a lot of bar prov and there was a lot of, like, one-off places where it was kind of low stakes. But um, go do shows and have someone come, someone, someone, just a friend, a buddy who does improv, have them come, watch your show, give you notes. And then once the notes are over, that's, that's, it. that's it. You don't talk about the show mm-hmm. anymore. Um, yeah, the way that we're doing it is just, yeah, we just, we, sometimes we, we argue and we fight and... And mm-hmm. then it's added to being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, but and I also that. feel like you know, for us, it it would be it would be it would be helpful to have an outside eye. But I know, I know her and I well enough to know after that person walked away, we wouldn't not talk about it. It would still be a little like, well, I fucking disagree with what they said, and <laughs> that's where the fight would start. Like, show in here somewhere, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, that. Um, you know, and I think it's I think it's like every single person that does this. There's just certain aspects of improv that she and I see differently. Mm-hmm. And it's not that she has to do it my way. That's a conversation we've had. It's not that she has to do it my way or I have to do it her way. Mm-hmm. We have to find a, a language. You know, we have to find a way to make sense of the show. You know, I, um, I'm, I'm about to turn 42 and I've been doing this now for i've been on i've been on stage performing for 14 years there is on some level after doing it this long i feel and it's i put it on myself but i feel a certain amount of pressure to be good Mm -hmm. 
like I think the days of like, eh, it was okay, are kind of over. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and those shows happen, but when they happen, I feel I feel three times as bad about them at this age because it's kind of mm-hmm. like, I should be, at this stage of the game, we should be pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think that's also the hard part of getting older and doing this mm-hmm. is you feel like you should be a rock star. Yeah. Um, and I totally 1000% agree with Jason, especially since we both teach the theater and all of that. Um, but I also have to remind myself I'm human and this is an imperfect art form. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a, um, so when, when we're both hard on ourselves or hard on the show, I also remind myself that yes, there's, there's room for improvement and yes, I want to knock it out of the park every single time. And <laughs> I'm, I'm often not, um, we, we're not in control of our batting average. If our batting average is steadily improving, then I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Pause to take some water. It's <laughs> live and raw. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, I there's another question I want to ask you guys. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, and it's another juggler question, but I figure mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to ask you because mm-hmm. you're in a position of authority and you're in a position of, of oversight. <clears throat> and one of the things, certainly from my travels and talking to other people, um, one of the things we notice is, is the teaching culture in improv has exploded. Like, I mm. get contacted regularly by people saying, hey, I'd like to come to Ireland. Any chance that you could subsidize my trip by teaching workshops? Sure. Mm-hmm. And at first, when I was developing the community in Ireland, and, you know, it was easier to get in. <laughs> so yeah, sure, right, sure. right. Sure. Um, and then I kind of got to a point where I was like, no, not anymore. And then it was like maybe people who might have thought, I was like, oh, this is not really what I was, yeah. what I was after. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of feels like we've got almost like teaching is almost like a corner shop in improv mm. um, and we know like a, you know certain big names will always carry weight mm-hmm. um, and there's different opinions even on some of the big names oh, in yeah. terms of mm-hmm. the value they get out of them so what's your, given that you're artistic directors uh, what's your kind of view on how teaching has, has evolved and the future of teaching in improv um, <coughs> well so since improv has kind of exploded I think it's also I, I would say from my angle like uh to, my opinion is that teaching coaching directors hasn't kept pace with the number of people who are seeking out teachers, coaches, and directors. Um, in terms of like, you know, when when I think when I was coming up, there were people who had been teaching for five, ten, fifteen years, who we all kind of regarded um, with the same with a, a very high level of respect, um, who were getting on stage and doing the things that they were teaching us in class. Um, and I'd say that that's probably become a bit different. I'd say the nature of improv has changed. And, and I'm speaking only from my perspective as having started in Chicago and taking classes in Chicago and performing in Chicago. Um, but I think it's changed and it's become like, um, uh, it's changed into like a rock star kind of, which sounds ridiculous. Anyone who's not an improviser is like, what are you talking about? Um, but I think improvisers realize it's become almost not celebrity driven, but it's like, oh, it's a way to get famous and people can do it and you can become a famous improviser and you can get hired to do other things through that. So I think because the nature of it has changed so much, I think that that angle of it has changed as well. Who's a teacher? Who's a good teacher? What are they teaching? Do they have their own point of view or have they developed it over time? Mm -hmm. And that's not to be a naysayer at all about people teaching because that's how you get better at it. Mm -hmm. You start, when I started teaching, I was absolute garbage Mm -hmm. and it took me a long time to get good at it and figure out what I like to do and what I want to do. Yeah, I think it's teaching is one of those things too where it's like, it's just like performing. If somebody set up to teach tomorrow... I don't know if I have the authority 
to look at that person and say, like, well, that'll be a good teacher. Because mm. you have to put the time in to even figure out if you're going to be good at it or not. Yeah. Um, I know when we met, Colleen hadn't taught. And mm. it was a conversation that we had where um, I think you you were kind of offered the position to teach. Mm-hmm. And Colleen was honestly, like, talking to me because I was already teaching at the time. She didn't know if she was going to like it or not. She was, mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't, ugh. And it was so fun to kind of watch her start teaching a couple classes and come home and be like, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I really I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll try it, but I don't know if I'm going to like it. And it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think some people take to it. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you, and I think, I think if you're not, if you're not adept at it or not good at it or, or any of those, I, th- I think, I think the students can smell that and they eventually weed that out and eventually you know it just stops it just you stop getting students signing up for that class or mm-hmm. you get enough people complaining about you and then a theater yeah. knows on some level well this is not a good fit for us yeah. um so i think a lot of that kind of you know works itself out uh in the long run anyway um but yeah in terms of like in in terms of everything exploding and everyone's out there and everyone wants to teach i think it's a matter of like you know you you got to put the time in you got to find a way to get good at it i don't think anyone can make you get good at it just like just like being an improviser um it's also really funny to say uh, and this is a sidebar but it's the last couple times we've gone to europe we've heard from students that there is a slight resentment which i completely understand why do we have to keep bringing these americans over to teach us Aren't we good enough? And uh, aren't we putting up the good enough shows to be the, our own? And and Colleen and, and I yeah. completely agree. We're like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and she she and I have been really honest and be like, hey, it's been so wonderful yeah. to travel and teach. I feel like those days yeah. are numbered. Yeah. Like I don't know how much longer we're going to be offered these positions because you're right. Like there's places popping up mm-hmm. in Europe with wonderful teaching and wonderful teaching staff, and it's just going to get better and better and better. And eventually, yeah. you're not going to need to bring over Americans mm-hmm. anymore. Enjoy it while it lasts, American teachers. Yeah. <laughs> well, we actually need to, there's definitely now the big names in Europe that teach and are in big demand and, yeah. you know they're looking for trailers and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the European egos can get as big as American sure, yeah. sure. So, well we're well we're pushing on the wound of asking top, top of questions one of the other things I want to ask you about was mm-hmm. diversity and improv mm-hmm. um, you know we so this is Live and Raw is the restroom go for it that's, that's for all the gifts baby and you should you should talk about that yeah. we'll follow you in yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. that's Raw um, um, so uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess um when I started, when I first started Drop Out Starland, um, one of the things that I kind of had the realization, I suppose, was so many female improvisers and, and actors had influenced me and inspired me, and we mm-hmm. it felt like we didn't celebrate enough. And certainly, people who come to my classes, the gender balance is actually, I would argue, uh, more weighted towards, say, more women taking mm-hmm. the classes than men. Um, so, and obviously, we've seen some kind of, I'm using their quotes again, scandals sure. in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, in particularly in big theaters in, in the US. So, um, and what's your thoughts around how that mm-hmm. landscape is changing and uh, how uh, how people who run theaters, mm-hmm. how teachers, I guess how improvisers, we all have that responsibility, how we can make our community more welcoming and more mm-hmm. diverse? Well, um, one, um, the co AD, uh, Zach. Huddleston, who's the co-artistic director with alongside myself at iOS, um, we are getting some um, help um, from a lovely woman who's donating her time to us to address bias and diversity in our theater. Um, and I can say, um, 
I, when we started, I had no idea what I was doing. We, we recognized that it was a problem and an issue, but we were not well versed in how to address it. And, um, so we've taken great pains to, as we think about um, how we attract students, what type of students we're attracting to our theater, how we identify those people, how we get them interested. Um, and I think, I think almost like top-down, um, I, th- I think what we've been learning is top-down it has to change. So it, it can't be... Well, well, we hope to get more diverse students in the classroom so that one day, hopefully, they stick around long enough and then take all the classes uh, and they get to the level of able to perform. And then one day they'll coach and then one day they'll teach and then one day they'll have a, a management role, right? Instead of that, which we've, a bit, I believe we've kind of learned, isn't um, the most efficient use of our, our time and energy and um, in, the, in light of current... Um, Topical, I'd say, political developments. We don't have an interest anymore in kind of dragging our heels or um, doing it in the slow, methodical way. So, really, truly um, looking for opportunities for people of color, LGBTQ, women, um, any underrepresented group of people, um, looking for opportunities for them to perform immediately. Um, Zach and I are committed to finding opportunities for people to have roles of leadership in the theater. Um, are, is it possible that some of these people will be less experienced than others? Yes. Um, and I think at this point, though, that's less important than offering those people those opportunities and allowing them to grow into the potential of that opportunity. So um, it's a very um, complex issue, um, but we're doing things such as like um, diversity scholarships for the program and making sure that we do that um, on a regular basis, and we're able to offer as many full scholarships throughout the entire program as we possibly can. Um, and also identifying um, underrepresented students in the training center and m- making sure inviting them to audition, inviting them to shadow coach, inviting them uh, to shadow teach, um, making sure that they're, uh, they know they're seen and heard at the theater. Um, because the real goal is like we really want to step on the gas and um, make sure that Iowa West is a representative of um, the city that it's in. And right now it does not represent Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, in terms of its its makeup. So, um, But we're learning a lot, and, and thankfully we have people who are very generously donating their time and their um, expertise in this to help us get better. Um, yeah, so... Full steam ahead, uh, yeah, uh, and 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 we have a lot to um, make up for, a lot of time and a lot of and a lot of stuff. As do I will say, just to be fair, as does I believe every single theater. Every single theater has struggled with this, and um, mm-hmm. but I, I will say every single. I, I many theaters that I know of are taking the same steps that we are. So cool. it's been really funny too to hear like that sort of sentiment of. We're doing auditions, and if and the unspoken thing of and if you're a straight white male mm-hmm. and you want to get a team, <laughs> you better be really good. I think that was actually said out loud. <laughs> we just we just had auditions, and it's like a known secret in the room. I think yeah. that was said out loud in the room of auditors. Like mm-hmm. that's just where we're at, mm-hmm. and and I make no bones about it anymore. I think for a while I was like, well, that seems weird. That seems weird to say out loud. It seems like a weird concept. 
And over time, I've learned and grown as a human being and as someone in this position. And now I'm now I'm, I can be very candid and say, yes, you have to be better. If I'm looking at a hundred straight white guys, mm-hmm. you better be you better be in the top five straight white guys because yeah. I don't really. <laughs> and it strengthens the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, having a, a more diverse um, performers and teams and ensembles and people in charge makes the theater better. Period. So. I'm looking at the, we're looking at the whole picture, the whole person. We're trying to treat the whole theater. And to do that, this is the way that it'll mm-hmm. get better. Right. And, and, and we, we've heard the perspective of straight white people for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So it's also exciting to hear, to see brand new types of shows and content and takes. And so it's, it's good. It's hard work right now, but it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we've all got a lot to learn. Yeah. A lot. I know you guys have got some sites to do. I'm going to ask you two more questions. Sure. These are really easier ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one is uh, teaching. So uh, I know you've been teaching here, but mm-hmm. just is there anything in particular you've been teaching recently that you kind of get a kick out of? Or is there anything that you're seeing, maybe habits in the com- in general improv community that you're going, oh, this is, we've got to nip this in the bud. Anything you want to share with us? Uh, yeah. I and mean, there's a couple things. I mean, I definitely feel like um, I've been teaching now for nine years ten years something like that and it's kind of fun just to look back on those ten years and, and realize that I think every year that I've taught it's I've changed like there's different things that I focus on different things that I push um, one of the things that I've been bringing up a lot lately which I've has been kind of new for me but it's been kind of fun to notice it is um, and it's kind of difficult to explain but it's the concept of hearing how many times in a scene, Improviser A says a line to Improviser B trying to get a reaction out of them. And the realization that, uh, and pushing on the idea on students, you can't make Improviser B do anything. Um, so this is the example I like to give about this concept. I was, I was coaching a group not that long ago. Improviser A turns to Improviser B and he says, uh, so I just want you to know something. Uh, last weekend, I hung out with your wife the whole weekend. And Improviser B looked at him and he went, Oh, good. Cool. And then I look over at Improviser A and I can just see him. He's just getting pissed. I can see him. And, this, and he gets distracted and the scene begins to fall apart. And so I stopped him and side coached him for a second. And I asked him, I was like, so what's going on? And he's like, and he looked at me. He was very honest. He looked at me. He's like, I'm a little pissed. I was like, what's the matter? I go, why didn't he react to that? And I was like, react to what? I'm like, I, I hung up with his wife all weekend. He didn't react to it. I was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, and, and here's the difficult part. You can't make him do anything. What did you want him to do? And he said, he said, I wanted him to get mad at me. And I go, yeah, that makes sense. If he would have gotten mad at you, what, what would you have done back? And he goes, I would have been embarrassed about what I did. I was like, great. Let's skip step two. <laughs> Say the line again and be embarrassed. And it was so fun to watch this moment because he turned to his scene for it and he goes, Hey, uh, Mike, i got to tell you something. I, uh, I, I, I don't know if your wife. Last weekend, it was just the two of us. I feel terrible about it. And his scene partner looked at him and he goes, What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> it's like, it's so fun to say on some level, I think we're saying these lines to our scene partners rather than saying them to ourselves. Like, say it to yourself. Own that line. Like, you want that line to be important, and you're asking your scene partner to do it for you. And I think you can do it yourself. And if we can all do that, I think these scenes suddenly start to take off. Um, 
uh, and so I, the more I've started pushing it, the more I start seeing it now all the time on stage. And it's it's not bad improv. It's just like you're waiting for the other person to do the work for you. And I think there's an, there's an innate sense in improv sometimes of like there's this politeness and you're supposed to wait for your yes and. You're supposed to wait for your scene partner to react. Um, and I think it's also that annoyance thing of take care of yourself a little bit. I like that idea. Like take care of yourself. Like you want to make that line count? Make it count. Uh and I was talking about it today. I was talking about it yesterday in those classes. Those lines pop up, and it's just kind of like, oh, man, I know what you want. Just go get it. Just make that scene happen. Uh, that's been a big thing for me lately. Say it, say it to yourself. Don't say it to your scene partner. Mine's similar. Mine has been... Um, I've been working on this... Uh, about empowering yourself on stage, and it kind of was born out of... Um, people who feel as though, um, like it kind of from the standpoint of, uh, women being put into submissive roles on stage or people of color being put into positions where they, that's central to their character and all these things that, um, that are making people's lives a little bit, a little bit more difficult or less fun on stage. And then it kind of expanded to, um, what are all the ways that, that we, um, things you can be presented with that make um, your scene work a bit more difficult or anxiety-ridden, um, vagueness and weirdness and denials. So last question for you guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is like the hard question because mm-hmm. um, you can't, you've got rules to this question. Mm-hmm. You can't pick IO teams. Mm-hmm. You can't pick any teams that you coach and or anything you're involved in. Okay. Is there a show uh, that you've seen in the last while or last year or whatever that you just really enjoyed as an improviser? Not with your notebook. And you're not involved in them. I, I, I have to cheat. Because it is an I.O. show. Boy. You can't not, pick an I.O. show. But I'm not involved in it. But I do want to talk about them. I don't know what you're talking about. It's Resistance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, can we'll let you... Because you're cheating. So we'll yeah. let you go second. Great. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I have to talk up... Um, Polish improvisers mm-hmm. you and we talked about this a bit earlier but um, we were in Warsaw and they were having uh, Warsaw was having a festival and uh, I have to say that the improvisers in Warsaw the, ty- the type of shows that they are doing and willing uh, they're, they're very risky they're very emotional they're very vulnerable um, they're very patient um, the acting skills that are on display are amazing. And there's some women, uh, specifically these female improvisers in Warsaw, who we saw again in Copenhagen, um, put on such a beautiful, funny, but funny because things are happening to people and people are reacting. You know what I mean? What improv is, but they were truly doing it. Um, really great and, I, and, and truly risky, like dangerous to me improv, mm-hmm. where... There's silence, there's patience, um, real, um, real emotional stakes. Um, and that kind of stuff to me just blows my hair back. I love to see people attempt, like attempt that and they, they are succeeding at doing it. So once again, Poland, I'm just the highest praise for Polish improvisers. They've been outstanding. So 
I gotta give him a shout out. Yeah, I mean, for me, to be completely honest with you, I just feel like I coach and teach so much <laughs> that if I have time off, I don't go watch improv at other theaters. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh. <laughs> it is hard for us. I mean, we're probably, I'm there probably like five days a week yeah. at my home theater, and yeah. Jason's there a lot too. It's a little bit tough. Like, on your night off, yeah. the one thing that we don't want to do is yeah, go okay. see improv. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but we can be better about it, because there's lots of places in LA to see yeah, improv. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. I just, I, you know, I know it's cheating, but it's it's a group that I uh, I like to promote for people to go see. It's it's in Los Angeles. It plays at IO West. It plays Friday nights. Yeah, Friday nights at 10, 10 after o'clock. opening night. It's a group called The Resistance, and they do an improvised movie, uh, but they are action the most movie. action movie. They're stumps artists, aren't they? Yes, mm-hmm. and they are the like they are one of the most physical groups I've ever watched. They're so fun. They jump on everything. Nothing is dropped. Everything is used. Um, they look like they're going to get hurt in every <laughs> show. I mean, they're just so fun to watch. Uh, they, and I I can't recommend them enough. It's and it's been you know it's been kind of uh, fun. You know, since we moved to Los Angeles, there's so many shows that we loved in, in, in Chicago, some of which have moved to L.A. And it's kind of, you know, it's fun to say, like, oh, of course, you can see Mariah Shakespeare. They're great. You can see their script. They're great. And I think The Resistance is the first L.A.-based group that I've seen. I'm kind of like, yeah. And now it's kind of like, I wish a Chicago crowd could mm-hmm. see these guys because people would have their minds blown. Mm-hmm. I had they are jumping through the air. And, like, uh, it's just so fun to watch them play. It's like a bunch of kids on stage. Uh, they jump on everything. So yeah, outside of that, I mean, we have to, you know, you have to plug the name of the group too, the Polish group. I don't remember what the girls' group was called. Know, Women's it's group. It's in there too. It's in there somewhere. It's in there somewhere. If people write to us on Facebook, we could send them the name. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if that happens, we can look up and stick it in the blurb. Yeah, yeah, we'll find them. And I'm, I apologize, ladies, but um, yeah, but it was great. And I love what Europe's. I mean, we were talking about that earlier, but like. Europe is where it's at, man. Mm-hmm. That's where it's really at right now. So, you heard it hats off. First. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Colin, Jason, thank you very much. Thanks, thank man. you. Thank you.